We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Just the third. Moves him back first and 15. Allen a deep drop, letting the routes develop. Floating one, Foster inside the five, and in for the touchdown. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. To my right is my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was some asshole whose name I can't remember from Fox Sports. Joe Davis, Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. The Joe Davis. Yes, we got the we got the call. Joe Davis uh, from Fox Sports. <laughs> that guy sounds like a cab driver, not a, not a sports commentator. Well, he's got a horrible. Horrible sports voice. I'm glad that game was here and we didn't have to watch it. It was Joe Davis and Brady Quinn. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the illustrious the illustri- Brady yeah, Quinn. Brady Quinn. Calling the Robert Foster touchdown, which, by the way, that is a hell of a fantasy pickup that I played on Sunday, helping me to my Super Bowl. You're in your Super Bowl, right? Absolutely. Folks, happy Festivus first and foremost. We have made it. Jesus we're at this point of the year in the football season already. I don't know where it's gone, but Chris, you and I can toast as we are both in the, our perspective Super Bowls, respectively. Uh, fantasy football, we're killing it this year. I know. I should have killed it. Uh, last year I had Kamara, and I should have killed it, but he got a playoff game when he got injured against the Falcons, and that ruined it for me. Whoa, but, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We're getting into a fantasy, fo- whoa, whoa, fantasy football conversation in the middle of a show. What are we, Mike Shope? Fuck yes, this. We got more we important are. things to talk about. Although I will give a very special shout out to a listener of the show from across the pond, Alex Wormall. Folks, two years in a row, this filthy Brit has won the Rock Power Report Fantasy Football League. It's not even right. He's not, he doesn't even live here. He can't watch football in real time. And yet he's dominating us Americans in fantasy football. It's unheard of. It's a, I feel like Jackie Childs. It's egregious. It's preposterous. It's outrageous. I can't wait for him to go for a, a three-peat next year. And by three-peat, I mean 
when you don't invite him into the league. <laughs> no, at this point, I cannot bring him back. Just so the rest of us here stateside can win a little bit of our self-respect back. Alex, congratulations to you, sir. I'd also like to point out that this past weekend marked the end of the Wise Guys Pizzeria Toys for Tots drive. Not only is Alex a hero in terms of fantasy football, but he's also a hero in terms of boys and girls in the South Buffalo area. He took his winnings from last year's Fantasy Football League and told me to take that 50 bucks and instead of sending it to him, I mean, the guy could buy, what, beer? You know, it'll be room temperature, but he could still buy beer. He could buy tea and crumpets and bangers and mash. He could buy all kinds of stuff with that money. Instead, he told me to take it and put it towards the Toys for Tots drive. And because of him... There's a bunch of little kids that are going to get Legos for Christmas and are going to get some things that they might otherwise, their families can't give them. It's incredible. Alex, thank you so much, not only for just being a solid human being, but for being somebody that we can call a a listener to our show and a friend. Guys, so thank you very much from us to you this holiday season. Guys, let's jump right into this thing with this week's Bill's News Update. He's back to work, people. He's back in the NFL. It is truly a holiday miracle. Oh, my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody calm down. Do I have to remind you that it's miracle? (laughs) It's miracle. 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 I'll see you in hell. I've got to ask, folks, is this just a move to troll E.J. Manuel? Or does John Gruden genuinely believe that this kid has NFL talent? How do you think? How do you think it is when? Uh, when I guess was he walked into the uh, quarterback room and he sees AJ McCarron, he goes, "Never thought I'd see you fucking here." <laughs> oh Jesus! Talk about an awkward moment when they're both back into the facility, just kind of seeing each other, like, "Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, what's going? You remember that place we were for five months? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was weird." I genuinely feel bad for Raiders fans because the more and more I look at this, throughout the Oakland franchise history, they've quietly over the last two decades become like the island of misfit toys for Buffalo Bills quarterback washouts. Think about it. J.P. Losman, Trent Edwards, Matt Flynn, E.J. Manuel, A.J. McCarron. (laughs) Chris, do you think that these guys all get together like some sort of secret society of Buffalo castoffs, like they all kind of have that. Like I could see that, like them having a support group for each other. Yeah, that uh, that could be true. I don't. I can't believe all those quarterbacks have ended up in uh, in Oakland. I could just picture them all getting together for a beer at a bar like Yings. <laughs> we well, I bet Peterman did text Gruden that he wanted to be a Raider because you do remember a couple weeks ago Gruden was like, "I got people calling me that they want to be a Raider." No, they don't. The only thing Nathan Peterman didn't want to be doing was stocking shelves at a grocery store. Okay? He's, I mean, he's, he seems like he'd have the personality for that. You know? He could help you at Walmart find the things you're looking for. Yeah, he probably went back to his hometown and became like the uh, assistant manager at a Rite Aid. I, I just picture all of these former Bills cast off to the Raiders getting together at some dingy bar just to collaborate and kind of prop each other up. You know, the type of bar where you don't really make eye contact with anybody else. It's sort of dim. The windows aren't open. The kind of place that you would go right before, I don't know, 
like a good times in Depew. The good times. Yeah, you leave that place alone. The place is a national treasure. As you can imagine, Twitter had a field day with this, guys. We still I saw stuff ranging from quote unquote plane carrying Peterman to California intercepted to John Gruden and Nathan Peterman, the two best men at getting picks in the NFL. And I even saw one that said, Nathan Peterman can still find a team that will sign him, but we still can't find out who killed Biggie and Tupac. What the fuck? (laughs) Guys, I don't wish any ill will towards the guy. I mean, at least not since I almost blew that blood vessel in my face after the Houston game in our post-game video. He's, He's going to the practice squad. Okay, let's look at this rationally. He's been signed to the practice squad, which is where he should have been here in Buffalo all along. This isn't a terrible move. If anything else, you're getting a guy on your team who's gotten a taste of actual NFL football who has, who can still sit on your practice squad and mentor some of these young guys that are wide receivers as far as what it's going to take to not get intercepted nine times in the NFL. <laughs> I don't wish any ill will towards the guy, but I doubt they're keeping up with the holiday theme, Chris. I don't see him waking up at the end of all this like he's George and it's a wonderful life. And that all of this has just been a bad dream. Is that a, that's a movie, I take it? Oh, Jesus, you're the worst. I hope you shoot your eye out. Also, do you want to talk about someone getting poked in the eye? Bills fans have been irate on social media lately. Zero Bills players selected to the Pro Bowl. For the first time since 2011 with Chan Gailey as our head coach. Chan Gailey, Chris. None of this none of this bothers me at all. Well, that's the last time we as a franchise didn't have a single player in the Pro Bowl. And I'll level with you. It doesn't bother me, but that, that doesn't stop people from losing their minds about this stuff. Because I get it. We're a small market. Everybody feels like we're, we're snubbed constantly. And in a few ways we are, but it's a lot smaller than you guys might think. I mean, first and foremost, in my opinion, the only two people who maybe had a sniff at the Pro Bowl. First of all, Matt Milano. Milano's on the IR, so he couldn't attend anyway. But when you look at the guys selected from the AFC above him, I'd argue that Milano could have been one of our picks. You see, Houston's Bernardrick McKinney, he's going to make the game as an inside linebacker. He's essentially tied with Milano in solo tackles and sacks, and yet he's posted no interceptions or fumble recoveries on the season. I firmly believe that if Milano was healthy, he probably, you could have made the case to me that that's a snub, but he's not, so it doesn't matter. And then you've got Trey White, who, Chris, he's never going to get what he's due. Never. Nate Clements played here for how long? And the nation itself didn't really call him a a, a star cornerback until he left and went and played for, what, the Bengals and the 49ers? He went to the 49ers and got paid. Yeah, that's it. That's when the league was finally like, oh, look at this guy. He's really good. No shit, he's just been here in Buffalo doing it for five, six years. Chris, this is the the reality of our situation. It's the reality of a small market. And we're just going to have to get used to that. As fans, we have to get thicker skin when it comes to this type of stuff. Am I being crazy? No. Not at all. I I don't understand all of the animosity. I mean, you want to talk about people who got snubbed. Look at the the rookie linebacker uh, from the Colts there. I can't think of his name. Demarius something. 
The dude is setting the world on fire. He's in the running for defensive rookie of the year. He doesn't get into the Pro Bowl somehow. But some old-ass man named Bernardrick McKinney does. Okay? It's a popularity contest through and through. Tom Brady has been one of the, I want to say, more average quarterbacks for the last half of a season. And yet he's in the Pro Bowl. Why? Because he's fucking Tom Brady. I mean, we're gonna we we have a Patriots fan joining us later tonight to help us through with this week's matchup. He's probably gonna tell you the same. It's been a lot of average to subpar play when you look at what the Brady standard is, and yet he's in the Pro Bowl, Chris. It's a popularity contest. That's all it is. It always is. And us coming from a small market, we're never gonna have a part of that. Like, uh, I I kind of like being selected to the Pro Bowl. It's almost like like being employee of the month. It's a good barometer of how you could be a winner and a loser at the same time. <laughs> I'm picturing employee of the month at Costco. That's what yeah. I'm picturing right now. Yeah, dude, like when you go to the bank and you see this the sign, parking for employee of the month. Like that's how for somebody who's a winner and a loser <laughs> at the same time. And ever since they stopped doing it in Hawaii. Yeah. Is it really worth going to the Pro Bowl? No. Like, I remember watching the Pro Bowl, like, as a kid, but lately, like, it means, it literally means nothing. Not only does it mean nothing, but And now you don't like... want, now you, now you don't want these, you don't want somebody ripping up an ACL at the Pro Bowl, and then they're out for a good portion of the following season. Look at Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert got his first significant injury of his career at the Pro Bowl, and the dude has been made of glass ever since then. But on top of that, for me, I look at the players from a player's point of view. You used to get to go to Honolulu. It was an honor. It was something like, hey, I'm going to take my family on a Hawaii, a free Hawaiian vacation, and this is going to be great. It's, we're going to go to Hawaii, and then some football, some half-ass football might get played. Now, they're making them go to places like Portland, Oregon, and New York City, and Miami, where all these people can afford to go anyway. Why do you think every single year players opt out? Oh, I don't feel like going. I've withdrawn from the Pro Bowl. Gives a shit, so why should we? Exactly, and you know who I hope can get, get to a Pro Bowl soon would be Reed, and maybe he can bring us <laughs> and we can report live from the sidelines. First of all, you and I don't belong anywhere near anything quite that. You and I don't belong anywhere near anything that fancy. No, you don't even belong near a tops. You're so poor and white <laughs> trash. I'll see you in hell, Chris. Here's what I'll say: the whole thing is a joke. It's a popularity contest that doesn't... It's like being voted 7th grade class president. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. And ultimately, it's not even beneficial to the players, which is why Tyrod got to go to two of them. Why? Because nobody wants to go! (laughs) Oh my god, it's incredible to me. Can we all stop fighting about this? It's ridiculous. I've had it, and the next person to bring it up to me, I'm going to bite you in the face. There it is. I said it. And with that, we're going to launch right into this week's recap. Week 15, Buffalo Bills win 14, Lions 13. God, Chris, it feels good to be in the win column. I know you don't agree with me. No, I want that draft position. Here we go. Stats of the game. I'm going to run it down. Quarterback Matt Stafford, 22 of 29, good for 76%. 208 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, a 106.7 rating. Quarterback Josh Allen, 13 to 26, 50%, 204 yards, one touchdown, zero INTs, and 89.3 rating. Bills rushing, 
37 attempts, 117 yards, and one touchdown. 27 total yards when trying to run off either tackle or around the ends. 3 of 12 on third down conversions for the Buffalo Bills. The number of field goals attempted, zero. Number of times I personally accepted a beverage from a stranger, one. Yes, people, I did it again, okay? In my defense, Chris has been beating me up for this ever since it happened. This woman looked like Martha Stewart, and she's walking around with a carafe full of eggnog, and I just... What am I supposed to do? Yeah, who walks around the mud lot dressed like Martha Stewart? You look like you just stepped out of a Home and Garden magazine. And you, like, because we parked in that little gravel area right by the gate that uh, exits the mud lot. Like, you, like, you yell, like, almost like you were, like, catcalling. You said, hey, 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 is that eggnog? <laughs> is, is that eggnog? And she, and she was so polite. She was like, well, yes, it is. Would you like some? And you just like, you had a little bit of beer left in a solo cup. You just dumped that out and you, you shook the solo cup like dry. And you're like, you held it out like, yeah, f- fill me up. And she was like, oh, I added some Puerto Rican spices to this. And I was like, these half Puerto Rican is, are those spices uh, ketamine? <laughs> Folks, the, first of all, the eggnog was delicious, Chris. It had a little bit of rum, some coconut. A little, a little nutmeg and some other spices in there that I couldn't quite put my t- my my tongue to. But man, was it delicious! And I'll tell you what, I didn't get the spins or any kind of visual hallucinations this time. I'll tell you what, I understand now the folly of my ways accepting drinks from strangers. But I swear to God, if a if, if a fifty year if I have to be worried about a fifty year old woman slipping me a Mickey, I don't I don't want to live here anymore. That's it. Jesus, take the wheel. I don't care anymore. So be it. If that's the type of world I have to live in, Chris, I refuse to live in fear. Chris, what was your game day experience like? I mean, what were your thoughts on the game as a whole and where it leaves us now? I mean, I don't like that we won because, you know, I want that that draft position. But, I mean, tailgating was fine. I mean, we have not tweeted the photos. I don't know if this should even be brought up, but... I'm going to do it anyway because <laughs> oh, we don't have any sponsors. I took at least three photos from this RV that they park in the middle of the mud lot. And on three different occasions on Sunday, I think it's I think it was the same girl. She just went behind the RV and dropped trow and pissed. Like in full yeah, view of full everyone. View of every, yeah, I have everyone like, else in the parking lot like, except for the people she came with. Yeah. The people she came with can't see her, so no one must be able to see her, right? You know, except for the other 200 people parked there. Although on Sunday it was probably about 100. Yeah, they're like even she like pissed at like a, like 11:30. Like the lot's completely full for that <laughs> game and I, I there's a really good picture that I have of like people that are like 20 Probably twenty feet away from her, and she's like getting up and pulling her pants up. And I, my shot is like these people, and they're walking by, and you could just see a clear view of an ass, an actual female ass. I don't understand what happens to people under the age of twenty-five. Now that I'm thirty-three, I look back and I'm like, what's wrong with you idiots? Why can't you figure out how to handle yourselves in booze? I don't get it. What's wrong with you people? Get your shit together. Now. My experience with the game was a little bit better than that. I loved everything about it. 
okay? You're talking about a football team. I mean, I shouldn't say everything. I mean, there was at one point I remember being pretty buzzed and wondering why we were punting the football. And I remember texting my wife saying, McDermott blew his opportunity to kick a field goal and we're going to lose the game because of it. Obviously, that is something you would text. That is absolutely something I would text in the first quarter. But looking back on it, I understand Hauschka's injury really, he's not 100%. When you think back to warm-ups and how he was really struggling to hit from range, that's something to monitor because he's not, I don't think they trust him right now from anywhere beyond, I'd say, 40 to 45 yards, which is really going to limit what our offense can do going forward. And I think it was a big part of the decision-making on Sunday. I mean, you think back to the drive where we went for it on fourth down in the red zone. You go for it not because you think, hey, if I kick this, I can take the points. Go. You, you take the fourth down because you don't know if you can kick a field goal. You don't know if you can make it or not because your kicker's having a hard time getting the kickoffs off. I, I just, I walked out of there feeling confident that even with injuries, you know, no running backs, then you go into the game with a depleted running back depth chart, and then you lose, you're, you're essentially the guy who was supposed to be your starter. And you're relying on an undrafted free agent rookie running back, and yet you're still finding a way to move the football, and at the end of the day, you still find a way to win behind a bad offensive line, with no established talent at running back, with no established talent at wide receiver, you still come out of that game against another NFL team with a victory. Chris, that's, to me, that is ultimately encouraging. One of the highlights of the game for me was taking a look at the snap counts. Now, it's funny because the Buffalo News reporter Vic Carucci, because he's an asshat, called this a glorified preseason game because of all the second stringers on the field. And he tried to make the point that it skewed the performance and that it was hard to judge. No, it's not. And fuck you, Vic. Okay? Fuck you. Shave the rest of your head. Just just shave it off. Okay? The horseshoe pattern thing is done. And you're a dick the longer you wear it around. You're bald. Admit it. Just ride it. You also don't know anything about... Oh, I just... I, I... Chris, easy I, Drew, easy. I, I already just, made one biting people in the face yeah. reference. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wear it out. Yeah, just just move on. But when I look across the snap counts and the different, you know, because I saw all of these different jersey numbers out there that I'm not used to seeing, and you kind of make note of it, and you make note of it, and then you go home and you look at the, you, know, you go to Pro Football Reference and you look at who played what, and it re- you start to see some interesting things. First of all, with the wide receiver depth chart, Zay Jones. Number one wide receiver. He played 100% of the snaps. He was one of the few players in the Bills team that did. Robert Foster played 84%. Isaiah McKenzie comes in at 51. And Ray Ray McLeod comes in at 12%. Now, here's what's interesting for me. I touched on it last week in terms of what our group looks like and how our GM and coaching staff has pretty much handled the rebuilding of that wide receiver core. The churn at the position for me underscores the fact that they understand, Chris, unequivocally, that they needed better performance throughout the course of the season. One of the things I hated about past regimes here in Buffalo and also other GMs with other franchises, you watch it happen all the time. GMs fall in love, whether it's a free agent acquisition, whether it's a guy they trade for, whether it's a guy they draft. They fall in love with their guys, quote-unquote. And 
Bean and McDermott, to the benefit of the team right now, have wasted almost no time moving on from people not willing to pull their own weight. Kelvin Benjamin, they drafted, they, they traded for him, invested draft capital there. He's gone. Corey Coleman, again, another trade, invested future draft capital. He's gone too. Andre Holmes was a free agent acquisition. They, they cut him. They cut him the same time they cut Kelvin. Austin Prowell, okay, that was a, that was a rookie draft pick of theirs this year. This year. And you had to drink his Seagrams because of him. And they cut him. Ray Ray McLeod, another draft pick from this year. He's being essentially phased out of the offense. Meanwhile, you look at Isaiah McKenzie and Robert Foster, who are essentially rookies in their own right. Hey, guess what? You weren't originally here. One of you was on the practice squad. One of you was in Denver. Guess what? You're the guys now. Why? I like the fact that this staff doesn't give a shit how you got here. They just care about whether or not you show up on game day. The guys who make plays are going to get the snaps and the rest of you can kiss ass. You're done. You're gone. Suck it. <laughs> suck an egg. You're out of here. It's Chris, that has to give you some confidence heading into the offseason, right? Uh yeah, I think we'll be uh signing and or drafting more receivers. Hopefully not early in the draft. No, God. We'll save that for a rainy day. Tight end. Charles Clay, 60% of the snaps. Tight end Jason Kroom got 47 of them. Kroom has now two weeks in a row severely cut into Clay's snap count. And Sunday, he not only tied Clay for targets, he's the only one to make a catch between the two of them. And he did it in a clutch moment for the Bills that pretty much helped them wrap up the win. What has Clay done? What has Clay done? He dropped a ball in Miami. That's what he. That's what he's done. This is my point. I mean, look at it. Look at what they've done at the wide receiver position, and then look how they're phasing Clay out as a tight end here as a starter. In clutch moments, they're not going to Clay. They're looking for other people to step up and make plays. It, it speaks to the lack of impact that Clay has made. I'm. I, I think it's the death knell for any hope he had to see a jersey. For the Buffalo Bills in 2019. Is that fair? I mean, we expect him to be gone. I expect him to be cut, for sure. I mean, we save $4.5 million doing so. How do you not pull the trigger on that? Linebacker. Linebacker also was interesting to me because Trey Edmonds, 98% of the snaps. Lorenzo Alexander, 93%. And some guy named Corey Thompson got 35 now, I said last week, I thought that uh, special teams linebacker Julian Stanford was going to see more playing time because he, he's he gotten starts in the past. He fits the mold for what they're looking for at that linebacker position next to Edmonds comparative to what we lost in Milano. And that Alexander's kind of a, a liability in the passing game. But they got away with it this week because, as our guest from last week, Russ Brown, said, you know, they don't really have a lot of weapons on Detroit. So they weren't scared of any of the tight ends exposing him. They weren't scared of any of the running backs getting out in space against him. So it allowed Lorenzo Alexander to play a lot of the snaps. I just don't know how that's going to change heading into a matchup against a team like the Patriots, who have found running backs that can catch out of the backfield, tight ends that are useful. It's going to be interesting to see how whether this Corey Thompson gets any play. Chris, it's, it, linebacker is going to be the position probably tested the most against the Patriots. Is that fair? Uh, it seems about right. Brady's real good at 
picking away at your at your weakness, and I expect him to do that on Sunday. I mean, I don't see him going at Trey Edmonds. If anything, I see him trying to. Get, I see I see that being one of the big matchups is Lorenzo Alexander in space, and it'll be interesting to see how the team responds to it next week. But like I said, a new face that I've never heard of getting the most of the snaps at that linebacker position. That was just weird. And then the offensive line. This one's interesting to me. John Miller got 87% of the snaps at guard, but Ike Bodiger got 13%. Now, Chris, he's an Bodiger's an undrafted free agent of Iowa. The Bills grab him on waivers before training camp, and he got two series with the offense towards the end, throughout the course of the game. Everybody knows John Miller has struggled this year. He was drafted by Doug Whaley, which they've pretty much done a good job of using a potato peeler to remove every trace of Doug Whaley from this team. John yeah. Miller is one of the last holdovers. And to He'll see be the, next. Oh, exactly. The way, to see the way he struggled this season, it's, I don't expect him to come back. The interesting wrinkle here is that Vlad Dukas kind of falls into this group of guys who... You were, Guys who suck that play on our own line. Well. Then, if you remember, throughout that game, I think it was the before the Jets game, before the bye week, he kind of gave up a few series there to Wyatt Teller. And then the very next game, Wyatt Teller was the starter. And he was on the bench. I, th- I can see the same thing happening here with John Miller. I mean, when you compare the two, John Miller has gotten ragged out this season. He just hasn't been good. He's get out, he gets out leveraged in the run game. He gets pushed in the backfields on his pass block attempts. He just sucks all the way around. I hate to say it like that because I, I feel like that's trivializing a human being's performance in the game of football. Well, too bad. He sucks. Meanwhile, you look at what Bogger did. He was on the field for the Bills' first touchdown drive. He looked solid. I mean, he easily held his own against the A-gap pressure they sent on him on, a, on our passing down that inevitably turned into Josh Allen running for that touchdown. It's because they couldn't get any push in the middle, which gave Allen time to sit there in the pocket and try to dissect what he was seeing before he decided to take off. He wouldn't have that opportunity if the pressure came in his face the way it was coming when Miller was in there. It's going to be interesting to see how they work this and whether or not Bodiger gets more playing time when we go into next week against the Patriots. Considering the way Miller's played this season, Chris, I don't think we'd be losing anything if we swapped the two out. Oh, really? Maybe because we're out of the playoffs. (laughs) You'd love this, wouldn't you, if we go into Foxborough and lose? Yeah. (sighs) I hate you. Yeah, I want a better draft pick. I'm just looking out for the future like a realistic fan. You want to be, you know, all hero. I want to see how these guys play out this year. You're just going to lose out on your draft position. I'm for the future of the Bills. You're not. Oh, I absolutely am for the future of the Bills. You want to go outside and fight? Which is why I've paid so much attention to Josh Allen this season. Yeah. I am more than willing to eat crow over my previous just absolute hatred for this quarterback. I'm going to go rent a hunting dog. Hunt crow and shoot a couple down for you to eat on the show. Did you know that's actually a crime? It shouldn't be. <laughs> My brothers and I, we actually, uh, we used to set what we called crow, crow. We grew up down in the South Towns. And we would do what we called crow trapping, which is where you would, sometimes you'd take one of the garbage cans out of the shed. And you'd take it out to the side yard. 
and let the crows kind of, you know, it's kind of a field area, and you'd let the crows start circling, and then you just start shooting at them when they got to the garbage can. That is so <laughs> white. you trying to bring them down. That's white trash. Yeah, we did that a few times. It was fun. But uh, apparently that's a crime, so we stopped doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will, I'm willing to eat my fair share of crow on Josh Allen. This week was just another step in his development, and he's just he's finding new ways to surprise me as a skeptical fan every single week. This is a game where, if you guys remember back to last week, we talked with Russ Brown, who works over at CoverOne.net. He's a, he's a really diehard Lions fan. He predicted that we would be facing a really stout run defense. And so we came into this game not expecting to get anything on the ground. And they came in with a good game plan for Josh Allen. You saw a lot of times that the defensive line would stand the offensive line up and not let them get any push, but also just waited to see if Josh Allen was going to pull the ball out on like an RPO kind of concept, whether he was going to tuck the ball and run. They hemmed Allen in. He ran. Picture this. Against the Jets, Chris, he ran nine times for 101 yards. He ran nine times against the uh, against the Lions for 16 yards. But he threw from the pocket for over 200. Almost so, matching Matt Stafford. That's what we like to see. I mean, that's it. You look at how he got things done. He did it in a way this week that was unlike any way he's done it before this season. Well, you brought it up again at the, uh, at the stadium because, you know, the week before, you know, the game that I was at mentally... He threw a ball on like third and third and you know six seven, got a pi call, saw it again on Sunday. That's what I like to see. Because take a cl- shot downfield and get a pi call. But they're close. That's the thing. They're close catches. The, the, the ball is near the receiver when he throws that. The thing that was impressive to me. First of all, throwing the ball away, Chris. What was one of my biggest complaints about Tyrod Taylor? Uh, the dude would he would run all around uh, before the sticks, before the line of scrimmage, and uh, then take a sack. He would either take a sack or he would run out of bounds two yards before the line of scrimmage. It made no sense throughout the early part of this season. You watched a lot of that from a lot of that from Josh Allen, or scrambling plays where he runs around, runs around, trying it because he's still playing in his head that cowboy style of football. Hero ball. And at the same time, he you see him make across-his-body throws, like in the Packers game, or just ill-advised throws in the middle of the field, like the one that ended the Jets game. I mean, that pick was his fault. He was already headed out of bounds and could have just taken the loss on the play and lived to fight another day. Coming into this week... All of a sudden, you saw that corrected. Four different times, you watched him stand in the pocket, go through every progression he had at his disposal, found nothing, rolled out and threw the ball out of bounds. I mean, it's, that's growth from a kid who just a few weeks ago was still trying to air it out everywhere all over the field as if he thought that he could single-handedly win every game on every single play. And then, for those of you who have been out there criticizing him running around too much, Six, uh, he had six throws of 10 or more yards from the pocket, okay, including that long touchdown pass to Foster. And he had three passes to Foster and McKenzie that allowed them to get sizable yards after the catch. That, to me, Chris, 
as a rookie who started off this season as raw as Allen did, I mean, think back to the Houston game. What did he take, seven sacks in that game? Something like that, and that's where he screwed up his elbow. Yeah. Now you're seeing a quarterback who's just learning how to operate from the pocket. He's in the pocket. He's not the, the, the other team isn't going to let you run, and that's what used to screw Tyrod Taylor over, was when teams would not let him run and made him stand in the pocket and be a passer. And instead, we're watching Josh Allen rise to the occasion. It, it's just, it, it's incredible, to me anyway. Now, Chris, I don't know about you. What, what's your take on Josh Allen's performance? And wh- I don't know, what do you think about him going forward here at the end of the season? What He's the greatest think- thing I've ever seen since Jim Kelly. <laughs> I've been telling you that for months. Watching his last year at Wyoming. I'm high on the kid coming out of the draft as I was with everybody except Lamar Jackson. And he's doing what Tyrod didn't do. Throw the ball down the field and also attempt to throw the ball down the field. I think the craziest thing here is because of his play, our wide receivers are suddenly being noticed as playmakers. Undrafted free agent rookies are being noticed as playmakers. Chris, and that brings us to this week's Hero of the Week because we can't give it to Josh Allen every week. Hero of the game, wide receiver Robert Foster. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Roll Tide! Woo! Undrafted free agent rookie Robert Foster out of Alabama. Third 100-yard game in five weeks. He's got three touchdowns over that span, two of them from 50 yards out. He was the only passing touchdown of the game. And at this point, Chris, is it safe to say he's becoming Josh Allen's, one of Josh Allen's favorite targets? Yes, he's really come on over the last couple of weeks. And that is exactly why I picked him up in fantasy for this week and played him. And he is the reason why I'm in my championship game. Wait, he's the reason? Yes, I, I, that was a bold move to start him in my flex spot. I won by four points. He had 16.8 points in my league. And it also doesn't help the fact that the guy that I played left Damian Williams from Kansas City on the bench, as well as the Tennessee defense on the bench. So fuck you, Kevin Smith. Here's what I'll say. When you look at the, when you look at the stats from Sunday, I see the fact that Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie targeted seven times for 53 yards. Robert Foster targeted five times with four catches for 108 yards. It seems very much like any time Josh Allen needs a big play, it's not Zay Jones he's going to. It's Robert Foster. And the two of them clearly have a connection. It's incredible how different this game and the Jaguars game would look if he wasn't here. Think about it. Those games have a completely different complexion without him being a part of them. It's incredible to me, and thank God we have that guy around. This week, zero of the game, I did not choose it, cornerback Trey White. Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. This was done under protest, people. I gave it to Chris. I said, Chris, why don't you choose the zero of the week? So now, Chris, you get the you get the dubious pleasure of explaining to the people why you're giving the zero of the week to Trey White. Well, I'll tell you right now, I don't. I'm not like you and read personal stats or his PFF ranking at the game. The plays that play there are plays that I saw where it's like, oh, who's on the coverage of that? Oh, it was Trey White. The fuck is he doing? Cover the dude. 
or he just straight up Kenny Gall- tackled Kenny Galladay, he still caught the ball and got the P.I. call, too. He wasn't as good as he usually is. And I know before we started recording, you were talking to him about being in the Pro Bowl. Well, you can have a bad game if you still deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. Bad games are okay. They happen. No one has ever played 16 straight excellent games. It's never happened. You're always going to have a downer. But so, so out of everything yeah, so that went wrong. so fuck you. Out of everything that went wrong, offensive linemen who got benched for parts of the game, I don't know, tackles that gave up penalties and just generally speaking didn't run block or pass block well. Out of everybody who did their job poorly, you picked Trey White. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you didn't watch the game. You were too busy yelling at Potter and Dan, trying to babysit those babies. Oh, God. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Chris's synopsis on Zero of the Week, first and hopefully the last. Good Lord. And so with that, boys and girls, we launch into the Week 16 preview. Jesus, Week 16. Chris, where, where is this season gone? The Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. The time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place, Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, Massachusetts. The weather, mostly sunny, 42 degrees. It's going to be a beautiful day out in Mass. The line, the Buffalo Bills plus 14. Chris? What? Oh, I was going to ask who's the covered and crew. Simple. I cannot wait to watch this. I'm <laughs> telling you, I cannot wait. To- Greg Gumbel, Trent Green, Bruce Arians. Oh, my I can- God. We have not had them all season. I cannot wait to watch this football game. Thank God it is away. <laughs> Thank God it's away. Now, folks, it's been a while since he joined the show, but we have once again our faithful Patriots correspondent here to help us tonight to preview our matchup against the New England Patriots. People call it the Boston accent. It's not an accent. It's a whole city of people saying most words wrong. Dante Scarnecchia is a fantastic offensive line coach. We all know that. But, I mean, he's working miracles with that kid. Mr. Christian Simonelli, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, sir? Excellent, gentlemen. How about yourself? (laughs) I am doing well. How are the holidays treating you so far? That uh, pre-Christmas stress kind of creeping in there a little bit? It is because, you know, Christmas, you know, falls at the beginning of the week. So this is the last weekend to get everything you have to get done. And if you haven't gotten really anything done, it's uh, going to be pretty stressful the next, you know, three, four days. But are we'll you, get there. We'll get it done. Are you the type of guy who puts his Christmas shopping off to the last minute? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so am I. It's pretty You know what it is? Guys like you and I, we just perform better under stress. That's the way I like to look at it. I do my best work under pressure, right? Absolutely. I mean, if even if you had to have to create it artificially by going late, when you could go way earlier, it's still <laughs> the better way to go. Fantastic. It absolutely is. Now, here's what's interesting to me. The Bills are trending up these days. Got a couple wins. We've got a rookie quarterback who's, even to my own admission, you know, defying what our expectations have been. What the hell is going on to you guys up there in Foxborough, man? Well, um, yeah, you guys, things are definitely looking up for you guys. You guys got rid of Calvin Benjamin, so, I mean, hey, <laughs> you got rid of that albatross. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, things are, things are uh, you know, things, things are a little bit different up here. Um, 
back-to-back losses in December, which you almost never see. Um, I think it was the first time since 2002, I'm not mistaken, that they had back-to-back losses in December. Um, this team is a different team. This team is not the juggernaut offensively home or away uh, that they usually are. They've been in tight games, even in games that they've, that they've managed to win at home. Uh, or on the road, they've been tied going into the third quarter, uh, going into the fourth quarter against, you know, against the likes of the Jets and the Vikings. So, um, offensively, this team is just not what it was. And, um, defensively, I think we all got fooled by the performance against the Vikings a couple of weeks ago, um, where they played so well. And then they go up against the Dolphins and the Steelers and they just get gashed on the ground. When you get gashed on the ground, um, it does two things. It allows the other team to stay in the game uh, and control the game. And, uh, you know, that's really what happened. Well, before and we, uh, well, ultimately, here we are, back-to-back uh, losses. I was going to say, before we dig into this, because I've got I've to pick your brain about some of this stuff. But for starters, five losses. The Patriots have not had five losses since 2009. And you and I both know exactly how that season ended. It started with a Ray Rice 80-yard touchdown run, and they never looked back, and you guys lost in the wild card round. That's the last time you guys have even hit. It's incre- it was incredible to me seeing it just on paper. That, that is the last time. It's been almost a decade since you guys have had to play a wild card game. That's how prolific this team has been. What's, what's going on with the fan base? What, what is the pulse of the fan base right now staring at this potential wild card weekend birth again. I mean, what are fans saying right now in the mass area? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, 2009 was a year where Brady came, uh, you know, was coming back uh, off the torn, uh, you know, ACL, and, and the team, uh, you know, really had a big turnover, a lot of free agents, and there were a lot of guys on there that just weren't team guys. It was, you know, we call it the 2019, the 2009 turd team. There were a bunch of turds. A um, bunch of guys like Sean Spring and Adelius Thomas, and it just wasn't a likable team. It just wasn't a, a mentally tough team. Um, around here, fans are worried. I mean, you know, uh, when, when the Patriots play a wild card weekend, they do not go to the Super Bowl. They'll get to the AFC Championship game, uh, maybe, but um, they do not go to the Super Bowl. Um, when they have a first or, or, or a, a, a second round seeding, um, you know, the chances are much, much higher that they're going to go to a Super Bowl. Um, so to be in the championship game, I think it would be the AFC championship game for the eighth consecutive year. A lot of us just aren't feeling that right now. We're really not. I mean, and, I, lo- uh, I looked at five. I think it's too. It's go ahead. Well, I was saying, I looked at 538.com. According to them, they're an analytics website, for those of you who don't know. The Patriots still have a 59% chance, according to their metrics, to snag a first round buy. But that's down from 79% last week. That's how much damage that loss to the Steelers did. That has to be playing into these fears a lot, right? It does. And, um, you know, it's really really the week before the Dolphins game. You lose on the last play of the game. Um, And everybody wants to point to the last play. And why was Gronk on the field, you know, and and, and if it wasn't going to be a Hail Mary, that Devin McCourty should have been out there and he could have made the tackle. Look, they put themselves in the position to lose the game the way that they did by allowing that team to stick around. And, um, you know, ultimately they're here in the situation that they're in at the three seed now having to rely on really the Texans. I think the one seed's gone. 
I don't think they're going to catch Kansas City. I just don't see Kansas City losing to Seattle and Oakland to close out the year. Um, so I think that you're going to have to count on the Texans losing uh, to Philadelphia this weekend in order to, and you have to win out um, in order for you to get that two seed. Well, I, and I think that that's one of the interesting things when you look at the position the Patriots are in right now. The Bills, if you look at the teams one through three right now, you, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh, well, or at least the teams that you're jockeying with, Houston, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City, that top four trying to figure out how it's going to shake out, you guys have the the what should be on paper the easiest slate of games ahead of you. I mean, Houston's got to go to Philly. Pittsburgh has to travel to New Orleans. Kansas City has to play Seattle, which Seattle's been playing some great football lately. So really, you guys seem to have the upper hand. But at the same time, what I saw on Sunday and what I watched in the replays, I actually lo- I saw, I couldn't believe with my own two eyes, what I saw at the end of the Miami game to the point where I had to go back and watch the whole thing on Game Pass because I, I didn't believe it. I mean, I understand your team struggles in Miami, but I couldn't believe that it happened the way that it happened, and I had to see it from the beginning. Christian, I want to know where you were, what you were doing when that <laughs> happened. So I'm sitting on my couch, and my fiance said, oh, you know, why don't we decorate the tree? Because we just got a tree that morning. I said, yeah, perfect, all right, fine. She goes upstairs, she gets the decoration. So I'm sitting there in front of the TV, I'm on Twitter. You know how we all are, we're on Twitter when the game's on and, and you're mm-hmm. checking, you know, other things. So, you know, I've got like my eye half on the TV and, um, you know, they kick off. Idiot Miami uh, takes the ball, runs out, runs like seven seconds off the clock. And I'm like, all right, typical typical opponent. Opponent just blew seven seconds running, running around like a dope. Uh, this game's over. So, you know, I watch it. Tannehill goes back, throws the pass, and then you see the zigzag, and then he's going back and forth. And then next thing you know, it's a foot race to the end zone. And I'm just sitting there, and she comes downstairs, and I'm just frozen. And she's like, you know, what's going on? And my phone's ringing, and it's actually my future father-in-law calling me. And then my brother called me, and then my best friend called me. And she's like, why aren't you answering your phone? What's going on? Why is my father calling me? I go, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. <laughs> just like that. She's like, I thought we were going to decorate the tree. I go, I don't want to decorate the tree. I just want to be left alone. Give me 10 minutes. <laughs> she's like, oh, my God, they lost. Because <laughs> then she saw what happened on the TV. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what happened. Um, stunned. Absolutely stunned. Drew, uh, and then I was miserable for the Drew, rest of the day. <laughs> Drew, if that was you, you would have to go out and buy a whole new tree. Because you would have just <laughs> destroyed the tree. Oh my God! See, I was going to say your 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 fiance is a lucky woman. Uh, if my, Larissa, if you're listening to this, I I hope in 2019 one of my New Year's resolutions is to try to find a little bit of Simonelli's poise when it comes to those kind of losses. Because I don't have that. I would have been shirtless out in the middle <laughs> of the street with the Christmas tree. It would have been anarchy. Oh God. <laughs> That comes with age. Ten years ago, I would have did that, but, uh, you know, no, it was simplistic. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're breaking down what it is that we expect the Patriots to bring to the table on Sunday, first of all, I'm looking at the offense, and I want to know what your reaction is to Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson of ESPN, former NFL safety, he goes on after the, after the Pittsburgh game, the day after, and essentially says that, you know, and he has some video clips to back it up, or at least back up this idea of his, that all of these hits are catching up to Tom Brady. And maybe that they're stopping him from making plays that he used to make. 
I mean, he, he specifically showed the interception pass and kind of talked about how if you look, there's been there, there were plays left out there on the field in that game. The, the Steelers were getting a lot of pressure, and you saw instances where Brady would maybe rush a pass or would maybe try to scramble, which isn't his game. He's never been an athletic quarterback who can scramble away from pressure. And it forced a lot of negative plays for you guys that really, in the past, Tom Brady might have just stood there and just taken the contact in order to complete the pass. Do you Does that theory hold any water in the minds of you or other Pats fans? Um, yeah, because it's sort of been that way really since the Tennessee game where he just hasn't looked himself. And, 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 you know, it appears he looks like he's showing finally after almost 20 <laughs> years. It looks like he's showing, you know, for you guys finally, for me, uh-oh, um, some signs of slippage. Um, now, there's been a theory floating around for a couple of weeks that he took a hit in the Tennessee game um, that he got up and he got up really awkward after. And the hit and the way that the leg sort of snapped – um, that he has actually was it's, it's, it's the leg where he tore the ACL on. He has a brace on that leg and he wears that brace all the time. And there was a couple of, of uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a sideline shot of his, of his, of that knee, um, really bruised. And the thinking is that there's something wrong with that knee and that it may even be an MCL tear. And that he's playing through that, which is why he couldn't get the ball to the sideline against the Steelers and they picked it off because he said he was trying to throw it to the sideline, trying to throw it out of bounds and quote, I just couldn't get it there. Um, couple that with him sort of throwing the ball ahead of time, anticipating to get hit in particular, the last play where he had probably another one or two seconds that he could have held on to the ball, but he just, when he threw it, he sort of just threw it and just fell back. Leads me to believe based on the, all the years that I've watched him that he's dealing with something. But I think it's a combination. I just, he hasn't looked right. He hasn't looked like Tom Brady really since the beginning of the year. So I kind of do buy that a little bit, that he is showing some signs, some signs of aging and some, some slippage. But I definitely think that the main driver is that he's injured. And, and knowing the Patriots, we're not going to know. Oh, we're not no. going to know about it until probably March or April until – a report comes out from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter saying that he had off-season surgery or something. Bill Belichick, would, Bill Belichick would rather cut the tongues off of all of his assistants than let something slip <laughs> to the media about Tom Brady being injured right now. I mean, that's just the way that yep. works. Another thing I noticed, and it's interesting to hear you say that because, I, I, like I said, I rewatched both of those, both the Miami and the uh, Steelers game, just in preparation for this week, and I'm just thinking to myself. You, know, you do that NFL game pass and you condense it. Did you know that a full NFL game, in reality, just broken down play by play, it's three hours in a broadcast, two and a half hours, you know, if you count halftime and commercial breaks. It's 34 minutes of actual football. <laughs> it's incredible to me. Yeah. So it lets you kind of yeah. fly through these things. And the thing I kept seeing is I'm like, this. why is everyone afraid of this guy? This guy that I'm seeing doesn't look like anything special. I mean, not for nothing, the guy I beat in fantasy football this week started Tom Brady. And I think it's – and he lost by six points. It's part of the reason that he lost because you're talking about a Tom Brady who simply isn't Tom Brady right now. I shouldn't say anymore because for all I know, he's going to come back and just eviscerate us. But the fact is he hasn't looked like that. Another guy who hasn't looked himself, who's a huge component of your offense, Gronk. What is the deal with Gronk? You know, it started, you know, obviously a lot of people poked fun, and you kind of hit the nail on the head about um, 
in terms of him, you know, Gronk shouldn't have been on the field. I'm with you in terms of on the Miami play where the just this ridiculous lateral pass goes back for a touchdown. Gronk should have been nowhere near the field. <laughs> he shouldn't be. Yeah. Even if it's a Hail Mary yep. attempt, Tannehill doesn't have that kind of an arm. Gronk shouldn't have been out there. And what I saw in that play was just, he was lethargic. And I, I myself wrote it off to, okay, he just he's not a defensive player. He doesn't know when to start moving and how to take proper tackling angles and whatnot. But then you carry over into the Steelers game, and it just looks like he's playing in first gear. He, you know, the thing that's defined his career is his ability to use his size, get into the open field, get the ball in his hands, and then find that physicality and that second gear to really punish your defense. And I didn't see any of that on Sunday. So what's up with him? I think he's a 29-year-old trapped in a 39-year-old's body. Um, I think Bill Belichick saw that, and that's why Bill Belichick tried to trade him in the offseason to Detroit. Gronk acknowledged it when a reporter asked him. Um, you know, a couple of months ago, yeah, that happened. Um, but I, Tom Brady is the only quarterback I'm going to play for. I think Belichick saw that slippage. I think all the surgeries, all the injuries have taken their toll, and it's finally caught up with him. He just can't get separation anymore. I mean, he's big. He he can he can still box guys out, but he cannot. He doesn't have that extra gear um, when he's in his route, when he's making a cut to get away from a guy. He just doesn't have it. And even when he catches the ball now, he doesn't have that extra strength even to get away from guys. You know, there was a play in, in the Minnesota game where he caught a ball and a linebacker tackled him right there. You never saw that with Gronk. Never, he'd be dragging one or two guys to the first down marker. Um, he is, as far as I'm concerned, this is his last year in a Patriots uniform. I think he's done. And I do. Wow. I just think I think he's completely done. I think he's burnt out. I think it's fine. It's, I just think all the years, the wear and tear have caught up with him. It just looks more and more as each game, passing game goes, that he just does not look like himself. Now, he looked good in Miami in the warm weather. And I made a joke on, on PFW when I called in. I go, it was, it's a, this is a perfect environment for him because it's warm and old people do well with arthritis. They do well in the warm weather. Um, <laughs> as soon as he got back up in, <laughs> as soon as he got back up in Pittsburgh, you know, he was just, he just wasn't effective. Um, it breaks my heart. He's, he, he's the funnest guy to watch. He's one of, one of my all time, uh, uh, favorite Patriots. Um, he really does just look like he's done. I, I just, I can't see, you know, We've all been waiting for him to turn it on, quote, turn it on, and we thought he turned it on in the Miami game and it was going to be a stepping stone for him. But at this late in the year, you are what you are. And uh, he's really a shell of I – hate, I, hate, I hate to say it. He's just a shell of himself. He really is. I mean, I'm looking at your stats for the season right now. James White, a running back, and Cordell Patterson, a kick returner, have more receiving touchdowns than he does right now. I mean, that, 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 that just underscores it. So then without him, when you're talking about going up against the number one passing, uh, you're talking about going up against the number one passing defense in the NFL right now. I mean, I guess that when I watch this, I see how Pittsburgh really just with pressure and just neutralized your passing attack. The Bills have the number one pass defense in football right now. And you're talking about a coaching staff who now has tangled with Bill Belichick a couple times. It's not their first rodeo. 
What do you, what is, how, how do you envision them trying to move the ball against this offense? I well, mean, against this defense, um, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, good question. Um, you know, I, I, I think defenses have had success playing man against, against the Patriots, man and up. I think if you play, at this point, if you're going to play zones against them, and you give Brady enough time, he's going to find the holes in the zone. You guys know that. You guys have seen those. Oh my God. I think if you man. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, I think if you man up against them, they don't have, they don't have guys that can beat, that can beat man coverage anymore on a consistent basis. Like Edelman will occasionally get lucky. You'll get Gordon to come in and, and, and make a couple of plays, but, um, they do not have guys that can consistently line up in a one-on-one situation and beat, quote, beat the other man. Um, they just don't. So, um, Gronk can't beat his man. You know, Edelman, uh, he just doesn't look, again, another guy that just looks like, you know, age has caught up with him. And, um, you know, he's coming off the ACL. Um, he has had a problem with his foot too, and he's kind of been, kind of been moving that around the past couple of games where he's just kind of hasn't looked right. His, he's got a ton of drops. Um, Hogan, the forgotten man in the offense. Um, you know, it took, I think, the, the, the play that he scored on last week against the Steelers, there was, a, there was some tweet, I forget by, by who, that it was, um, he was the most wide open, uh, wide receiver in the NFL on a play this year. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody near him. Three guys went with Gordon on that play, went with Josh Gordon. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody literally within 15 to 20 yards of him, um, when he scored. But they just don't have, they don't have guys that can that, that can beat man coverage. So how are they going to attack um, you know Buffalo? Um, you know it looked like they had a running game against the Jets a couple of weeks ago, and, and against Minnesota they ran the ball somewhat effectively with Sony Michelle. Um, you know maybe they'll maybe they'll try to run the ball early and and you know set up some play action that way. But um, you know again they came on against Miami. They they looked great. They moved the ball. They scored a lot of points. And then last week was just I mean. They scored 10 points, but they really scored three because that play to Hogan was for 63 yards and it was just really busted coverage. Um, to score, you know, three points, uh, you know, basically, um, is just awful. So, uh, at this offense right now, I just don't know what to expect from them on a week to week basis where you used to sit back and say, well, the defense is going to give up 20. So the offense is going to have to score 30, but that's fine because they'll score 30. Um, I don't know what we're going to get. Even at home, I don't know what we're going to get. I don't. Well, that seems like a nice segue to talk about the defensive side of the ball because you came into this season on our pre- – you know, for those for those of you who just picked up our show this season, every offseason leading into the year, we gather up a group of I, – I, the guys who I think are most knowledgeable on each one of our divisions teams. And we go around the division talking about what we expect from our team, what we think of the roster – you know, we devote a whole show to it, and it's nice. It's a lot, It's refreshing to hear what you don't read on a daily basis about your upcoming opponents and the guys that you're essentially jockeying with for possession of the division. In talking to Christian earlier this year, Christian went out of his way to underscore how poor he thought this year's defense was going to be and how little the team did to really fix their problems. So, Christian, I got a question what happened to you guys? I mean, it seems like everything you talked about in the offseason came to fruition. So I, I credit you for that, but I got to ask, your run defense, man, this is like Home Alone. You know, stick them with the week of Christmas theme. <laughs> if this is the movie Home Alone, it, this is like I opened a trunk and I found a photo of your run defense stats, and I went, Jesus, Christian, your run defense, woof. 
<laughs> you guys have given up eight 100-yard rushing games, and you're three and five in those eight games. And two of those wins came by single scores, usually some point in the fourth quarter. And over the last two weeks, you've given up eight yards per carry to the opposing team. What's happening here? Uh, well, what a time to be right. You know, I wish I wasn't, uh, I wish I was wrong. Um, you know, the beginning of the season. Um, I, I said it before and uh, then, and I'll say it now. Uh, they suck. Okay. <laughs> the front seven, the front seven couldn't beat a Pop Warner team right now. The front seven is devoid of any talent with the exception of Trey Flowers and Lawrence Guy. Um, who's a PFF darling, and I really don't count PFF for that much, but okay, stats-wise, he's had a good year, and so has Flowers. The rest, um, just awful. I mean, when you got guys out there that, you know, probably should be, you know, second or third or third-string players or even fourth-string players, much like you had last year, you didn't do anything to upgrade the defense. Um, now, some people will say, well, you know, you had Jawan Bentley fifth round pick he came in he started early he played he got hurt all right fine that seems like it was uh you know a late classic uh late round find by bill belichick and the kid looked like he could play um dante hightower i put him in the same school as gronk but a, 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 a you know a 29 year old trapped in a 39 year old's body he, he looks uh, like an, another guy that looks like the shell of himself the only linebacker on that defense that would, you would get consistent play out of. Kyle Van Oy's had an okay year, but he's still a liability out there, still a liability in coverage. You haven't gotten really anything from your front seven, your defensive line, and your linebackers. So, I mean, if it starts there, the secondary actually has been pretty good. Looks like they have a, a find in a guy like J.C. Jackson, a corner who, who went toe-to-toe with Juju Smith-Schuster over the weekend. Kid looks like he can play. Big kid, physical, can run. Great. But that front seven needs an infusion of talent. And um, you get another guy like Devin McCourty. He just has another guy. Again, I put him in the high tower ground class. Looks like another guy that has great straight line speed, still probably the fastest straight line guy on the team, but seems to have lost that side-to-side speed that, that you know really made him an effective safety. You have a ton of money allocated and a bunch of guys next year that you're going to have to make decisions on. Right now, and you guys talked about this on your show last show, you know, you can't have $18 million tied up in two guys. I, I think it was Kelvin Benjamin and LaShawn McCoy, if I'm not yep. mistaken, you were talking about. Oh, and Charles Clay. Enough, and Charles Clay. You we're know, getting no return like, on that. Charles Clay. Get no return. Um, you got $55 million tied up next year in Gronk, McCordy, Hightower, Dwayne Allen. Adrian Claiborne. Nobody is performing. It sounds like Jesus. Nobody is performing. That is, you, you, you got huge cap numbers. You're going to make a big decision next year. Well, you this guys went on a spending spree. Look. You guys went on a spending spree this off season. Everyone was terrified of you guys because you guys had the most cap space. And when you saw the moves on paper, it looked like it was going to return you guys to something. But it seems like that hasn't panned out. Now, here's something. It hasn't. Yeah. Well, first, Chris, before I launch my point, I want you to isolate what Christian just said. We have a Patriots fan who listens to our show on a weekly basis. That's pretty great. First and foremost, Patriots fans. And Snowy, I know you're out there in Australia listening. Hey, <laughs> I, I know you're out there. We see you. So, second of all, 
I've read because I'm a vulture. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm a, I'm a sick man, and I hate the Patriots. I, I'm a petty human being. So whenever you guys lose, I scour every article I can find on Pat's pulpit, and I just eat it up. I, sometimes I read them two or three times because it just makes me happy to take in the comments. I go through all the all the fan posts. I, I try to soak up every bit of Patriots angst that I can get because, to me, it's fantastic. I love every second of it. And I've seen – well, and I, I saw a discussion, and it seems like it could be a conversation point. You guys traded for a defensive tackle, Danny Shelton, who was brought in. I mean, he's a bigger defensive lineman. And it, I, I guess the, 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 the theory was he's been a healthy scratch for the last few weeks because he's a bigger guy who's more of a run stuffer. And you guys were trying to go with a lighter defensive formation to stop the passing games of Miami and Pittsburgh, which I can I'd lend some credence to that. At the same time, so everyone's saying, okay, just throw Danny Shelton in. That's a wrinkle that the Bills won't see coming, and it'll fix our rushing, and it'll fix everything, and our defense will go back to being the way it was. Except you're going up against a quarterback who hangs 100 yards rushing a game on teams. Going with a bigger, heavier, slower formation doesn't seem to be the way to beat teams. Right? That that wouldn't be the seem to that would not seem to be the way to attack that situation. And yet. So if you do, you're damned. And if you don't and you just try to go light, you might – I mean, our offensive line is nothing <laughs> – it's nothing like the offensive line that the Steelers are trotting out there right now. I would murder for their offensive line, and I don't even think they're that good But compared to what we have. But at the same time, it, it can't be understated that we, with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who's athletic – I mean, his athleticism has surprised everyone here in Buffalo – how do you try to contend with that? Do you go light? Do you go heavy? What do you think they're going to have to do to stop a guy who's essentially evolving into a big, heavy, dual-threat quarterback? I mean, I, I, I think they are going to have to bring Shelton back in because whatever they've had in the past couple of weeks, combination of Malcolm Brown, Lawrence Guy, um, you know, in the middle is not working, and they're getting pushed off the ball. And – it's been a mystery around here. You know, you talked about uh, uh, not starting Shelton uh, in favor of, you know, um, going up against teams and, and dedicating more bodies to teams that pass. But you cannot have the guys in there that you've had and allow these Jags. I mean, that's what they are. Let's, let's make no, no mistake about it. You've had Jags run on you the past two weeks. Brandon Bolden, former Patriot, looked like freaking Earl Campbell in Miami. I mean, the guy had a huge touchdown run, ran all over you. Frank Gore, who's 187 years old, looked like he was, you know, 25. Um, you have this kid um, for uh, Pittsburgh who just, you know, you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he was a tight end, um, you know, at, at one point, and James, because James Conner couldn't go. So, uh, you know, he played. I mean, and that kid... I'm not even going to acknowledge his name because I don't want to. It just aggravates me so much. <laughs> and he ran all over you like he owned you. Um, all right, Jalen Samuels, whatever. Um, but, you know, he had 142 yards against you. So whatever's in there, not, it, it just isn't working. Um, I'd say you put Sean back in and try to solidify the middle. Try to solidify the middle. Make him run to the edges. If he runs to the edges, the one thing the Patriots are at least coached pretty well and do pretty well, even when they've had players who can't, is they usually can contain – guys and not let them get to the edge um so maybe that's what they do and they take away the middle but 
something needs to happen on this defense in order for them to have any shot um, in the playoffs. Because right now, um, when you go into Pittsburgh and you hold a team like that to 17 points, okay, and you basically neutralize Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, um, you're supposed to win that game. But they didn't win that game because they gave up over 160 yards rushing on the ground and allowed Pittsburgh to control the game, and the offense did nothing. So you got to figure it out. Oh, man. Chris, I'm getting excited. Simonelli, you have no idea what you're doing to me. So, so this weekend is the Super, it's the uh, playoff Super Bowl for me in a very expensive fantasy league. Very expensive. There's a lot of money on the line here. And on top of it, the Bills are playing the Patriots when it seems like the Patriots are kind of vulnerable. I have not one but two bottles of champagne on the chill right now for Sunday. And hopefully I'll get to pop both of them. Because I think this might be, I mean, we everyone goes back to the previous Monday Night Football game. First of all, we were starting a, a guy coming, a quarterback coming off the couch, essentially. We just rolled him out there like, like dice. We rolled him out there and just hoped he worked. And to your guys' credit, you shut him down. It was what it was. Our defense held its own for a little while. All of a sudden, these last few weeks, not only has Allen showed that he can be a danger running the ball, Last this past weekend, he showed that he can throw the ball from the pocket. How confident are you heading into this game? I mean, we just the line on this is the Bills plus fourteen. So there must be people out there who believe that this is the week that the Patriots correct back to the mean, and this is the week that they get things back on track because you're giving the Bills a two touchdown on the road, two touchdown advantage in terms of the line. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Well, um, the last two games don't inspire much confidence. Um, I'm, I'm just going with the history. I'm going with – I'm going to fall back like all Patriots fans have fallen back on it. <laughs> Belichick and Brady will figure it out. They're at home. They'll figure it out. They'll come up with a good game plan, and they'll win, and they'll cover the 14. Um, I don't know how. I can't – I'm not going to give you – a scheme or, uh, or you know, or what they're going to, how they're going to do it, how they're going to attack on offense or defense. I'm relying on two guys, Belichick and Brady, to, quote, figure it out and do it like they have. And, um, you know, for it not to be a close game, for it to, for that to come out. Um, in these games where, they, where it's been close, they haven't gotten out to an early lead. Um, like many other teams, they get out to an early lead, 10 points, 14 points. You dictate the tempo. All of a sudden, Allen's got to go back, and he's got to try to match you point, point for point. What happens, not only to Allen, but to other quarterbacks, mistakes. You force the ball into situations um, because you're trying to play catch-up with them because you know every time they get the ball, they're going to score, and the pressure of that is too much, and usually that's how the Patriots run away with it and cover. So I'm going with Belichick and Brady. Um but again, this team's such a wild card this year, even at home. I just, I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Chris? I, I am with Christian in the sense that the Patriots will win this football game, but I do think Buffalo will cover. I'm going to go 24 to 14, New England. That's not cover. Oh, okay. It's a 14. <clears throat> yeah, I know. You can't do math because you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Is dumb, it, dumb enough to keep accepting drinks from strangers. So there's that. Is, is it now? Is this where is this where you like? Because this is we do this. We've done this before. I think last season and maybe earlier this season, where you pick the Bills to win because you can't, in a good conscience, pick the Patriots to win, and you end up drinking a Seagrams. Chris, 
Not only is it that time, but I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing to, to maybe go double or nothing with you on this. Two Seagrams. Two Seagrams bet. Jesus, you're already in the hole a couple here. I'm going to say, I mean, I'm just taking a look at this and I'm being, I, I, there's a part of me that's a, I'm trying to be pragmatic. I'm trying to look at this from a standpoint of here is a football game against what I think is the weakest version of the New England Patriots that I have seen in the last four or five years. And Simonelli, I think you could even agree with me on that, right? Yes. Okay. So if I've got that working for me, and at least that's where I'm coming from when I'm making this prediction, I say to myself, I've got a quarterback who can run. I've got a quarterback who showed last week that he can throw from the pocket. He doesn't have to be a runner. He doesn't need play action to get him to to manufacture yards through the air. It seems like he's understanding when to get rid of the football all of a sudden. He's avoiding negative plays instead of just throwing to coverage like he like a cowboy. Like I said, cowboy football would be his undoing, and last week he didn't play it. I think, Chris, double or nothing Seagram's bet. Not only do the Bills win, but Josh Allen does not throw an interception. Yeah, sure. Bang! Done! I'm, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to think – I think a, we can't kick field goals. That's the one caveat that you can take back to all your Patriots fans. This past week, I mean, Stephen Hauschka's been very good for the Bills from you know, in terms of field goals. And I remember losing my mind at the stadium on Sunday when he didn't kick the field goal from the 53-yard line. I mean, it would have been a, not 53-yard thing. It would have been a 53-yard field goal from where he was, which Hauschka's pretty solid from. But you go back to that Jets game where he took that shot in the back and he just did. He hasn't looked right. Not even in warmups has he looked right since. But he's still our kicker. So I don't expect to get a lot of the field goal unit, and I expect them to lean on Allen. They're going to say, look, this is the game. you got to go out there and win it. And you know what? I'm willing to bet a pair of Seagrams that he answers the bell. I'm going to call this game 21-17. to The defense gets behind Allen. They sack up, and they find a way to hold you guys down. All right, Christian, where can we find you on Twitter? At Chris with the T-I-A-N. You can always find me for snarky Patriot tweets, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm I'm the ultimate Patriot homer, but I'm also the ultimate Patriot, uh, you know, uh, alarmist. So as soon as like like they have a bad play, the season's over and we suck. So yeah, I'm pretty entertaining <laughs> if you want to give me a follow. <laughs> and with that, speaking of entertaining, and uh, you know some some snark, what is one thing if you could pick one thing about the 2018 Patriots that has ground your gears the most? What would it be? Belichick, the GM, has absolutely uh, aggravated me going all the way back to March and then going all the way back to the draft as well. Um, I just do not like the way that he put the team together this year. I don't like who he drafted. I don't like where he drafted them. I don't like who he got in free agency. I don't like who he paid in free agency. Um, But this is Festivus. I got a lot of problems with Bill Belichick, the GM. Listen to that, folks. A Patriots fan who has problems. Did you ever think that you would see the day, Chris? Go back and listen to last year. I think Christian was on our Festivus episode last year. (laughs) Folks, Festivus. 
2018, you're celebrating it with the Rock Pal Report. I want to I do my own version of the uh, Frank Costanza kind of narrative here and tell you a little bit about how our celebration of Festivus kind of started off. It was the end of our very first season of podcasting. I started it off not only sounding like a complete boob, with no emotion, I, I was just, I was monotone, it was awful. And I was upset, but I didn't know how to express myself. And I'm just, I'm mad, because I thought the hiring of Rex Ryan was going to take us to the promised land. We were, we were going, he told us to get ready. The playoffs were coming, baby, and they weren't. And here we are, it's snowing outside, and I'm just depressed. And I'm drinking alone in my apartment, and I'm watching Seinfeld, and the Festivus episode comes on. And it dawns on me that even as a sports fan, there must be a better way. <laughs> and that's when the Rockpile Report celebration of Festivus was born. Folks, we are going to get some shit off of our chests. Think about it. Over the course of an NFL season, especially one that's disappointing to everybody involved and doesn't end with a playoff berth, we as fans can become depressed, disgruntled, we start taking out our animosity and our frustration on each other, on our friends, our family. It starts to leak into our everyday lives. Nobody wants that. Especially now when we're supposed to be spending the holidays with our in-laws and around our co-workers at parties with open bars. That we, <laughs> You know what I mean? That's not good. It's not good for anyone. So do yourselves a favor. Grab a beer <laughs> and join us as we roll through not only our own but all of our listeners' grievances on the 2018 season with the Buffalo Bills 2018 airing of grievances. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. We kick things off with just random stuff about Buffalo and the area around the stadium. It starts off... I hate when I see the SPCA truck in front of the Chinese restaurant on Abbott Road near near the stadium. It's just not a good look. That comes from Ron M. on Twitter. Chris, it's the SPCA truck. Right, I wonder wonder what restaurant that is. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Here's another one. Flying 20 hours to what is supposed to be a relatively cold city, in quotes, to be greeted by what must have been the hottest game in Buffalo history. Even hit my Australian ass completely sweating balls. Next year I'm making it a snow game. That comes from Mike Swenson, our listener and longtime Bills fan, all the way from down under in Australia. Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! <laughs> National perception, folks. National perception, I mean, that's something we bitch about every single year. Chris, what do you think that people think about the Buffalo Bills? On a national level? On a national level. Geez, they don't like us. Allen's the worst quarterback they've ever seen in the history of football. (laughs) From Eric Harris on Twitter, so-called experts who think Allen is just like Tyrod. A lazy take, providing they aren't watching the game now, and they weren't then either. Chris, there's so much truth to that. Fuck these people at ESPN who can't get off their cell phones long enough to actually watch a game, much less pay attention to the Buffalo Bills. So don't tell me what my quarterback is and isn't. 
Yeah, you know, of anybody at ESPN, Mel Kuyper likes him the most, and you only see Mel Kuyper on TV in April and some of May. The guy looks like an old woman. If you put a pointy black hat on the top of him, he looks like a witch. He doesn't even need to go to, like, Party City and get a costume. Fuck that guy. And then, Robert Haglund Jr. on Twitter. The people who don't think this leadership can be trusted to find talent aren't paying attention. Please stop calling WGR if you can't pay attention. Festivus is back! (laughs) Then we move on to personnel decisions. Chris, oh, we've got some bones to pick, you and I here. We're going to start off, Friarface from Reddit chimes in with, Thinking that losing two of our starting star offensive linemen and not finding a competent replacement was going to be okay for a second-year quarterback with accuracy issues and a raw rookie. Oh, and then wondering why in the hell your running backs can't make any freaking plays. It's because no one on that line can play to save their lives. Now who do I have to wrestle to show you people that I'm the man in this house? And now, as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. <laughs> Chris, that one just made me laugh, but he's not wrong. No. Chris, one of the things I've hated the most about this season was just the offensive line. What were they thinking coming into this season? I would have thought, Chris, it would have been like the first couple weeks of training camp. If I had been seeing this there, I mean, I didn't go this year, but if I had been seeing this there, As a talent evaluator, from the GM to the head coach to the pro scouting department, I would have been firing people daily. I would have shuffled it every single week until I found something that worked. Well, the Eric Wood thing came before free agency, before the draft, so if you knew about that, then, I mean, you kind of did address it with Bodine and free agency, but also address it in the draft. If there was a center available. <laughs> I mean, that it's that easy. Here's another one. The Buffalo Bills entered week one with a second-year quarterback who showed little promise in his two starts and the rawest quarterback in the draft as their only two quarterbacks. Chris, how many times? That, that comes from T. Swiffers on Reddit. How many times did you and I smash our faces off the wall over that? Well, first of all, it was just you. <laughs> I didn't smash any of my faces off the wall. It was just solely you. Now, here's a, here's a guy with an epic point. Epic point, if you're airing grievances. Love the college scouting department, but pro scouting? This is the group that brought in guys like Tolbert, Benjamin, Bodine, Newhouse, Ivory Curley, Coleman, and Vernon Davis. Where are the results? Come on, man! That comes from Brian Rassignal from Twitter. Chris, this might be the, the biggest grievance of all that the front office has done this season. I mean, think about it. Who's supposed to be watching this stuff? I get it. With our cap situation, we are essentially, we were essentially panning for gold in a landfill, which oddly enough is the same analogy I use when I'm describing online dating. But for fuck's sake, people, we've had some egregious misses. And the most glaring to me is Vernon da- is the Vontae Davis signing. Whoever came up with that idea should be shamed in the offices at One Bill's Drive like this was Game of Thrones. Now, when did we fire... Didn't we fire all the scouting with Whaley? Was it after this... That was the college scouting department. College. Oh, so we and kept, then we brought we kept in... The, we, so we kept, the pro, we kept the pro scouts? No, we brought in more pro scouts, but my point is, we brought them in. 
This current front office brought these guys in. And what did they give us? They gave us Tolbert and Vontae Davis. Okay, well, my, my point is that, again, Davis quit. But uh, let's not forget what happened with um, Anquan Bolden. I mean, he quit in training camp. It's a continuous thing here. Oh, that brings me to my one of my biggest grievances of the year. Vernon Davis. Why do I keep calling him Vernon? Jesus Christ. Vontae Vonte Davis. Vontae. Fuck that guy. Fuck his quitter mentality and fuck his daily fantasy ad making light of the fact that he bailed on us and this team in the middle of a football game. I beat a wing challenge named after that guy that put up more of a fight than he ever did here in a Bills uniform. I hope he takes all of that money, he takes himself out to a nice steak dinner, and he chokes on it. <laughs> Deserves it. Special teams, Chris. Oh, man, did we get messages about special teams. We had to cherry pick a lot of them. Oh, my God, the grievances were pouring in. I think one of the funniest is Ryan Lasell, host of the Rock Sports Network show The Huddle. I want to know how the fuck Danny Crossman has survived four goddamn regimes. Chris, I, I want to know that, too. The dude is like a cockroach. You can't beat this guy. The guys from Circling the Wagons podcast came in a message on Twitter, the same thing. A coach like Danny Crossman making it through Marone, Rex, and McDermott without being exceptional or even good at his job. I don't understand it. Chris, what's your take on Crossman? I mean, he is a boob and a horse's ass, and I can't <laughs> wait till. I mean, it's not going to be surprising if he is fired because uh, let's see, Reed is a uh, restricted free agent. We don't know who our punter is, and we just have Hauschka. So if we get a new special teams coach, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, these are the, my specialists that I want. I'll say this. The only positive thing the man has done in four years with the Buffalo Bills under multiple coaches is he brought in Reed Ferguson, locked him in as a solid long snapper. That's it. That's the only thing the man hit maybe in his career because he's been mediocre everywhere that he's coached. I hope seagulls take his eyes in an unfortunate seed accident at Home Depot. It's a Festivus miracle. It would be a miracle, Chris. It miracle. would be a miracle. Miracle. There were some complaints about the coaching staff. Chris, let's get this off our chest while we're at it. From Victor Russo on Reddit. We started Peterman. Twice! <laughs> and then Destin Kelly comes in on Twitter. I'm annoyed that Kyle Williams wasn't used enough on offense. <laughs> he did come on the field on uh, on Sunday. But then they, like, called the timeout, and they took him off the field. <laughs> they at least tried, Destin. They at least tried. Oh, my God. The coaching staff this year has had some questionable calls. I'll give you that. They, they have made some poor choices. First of all, Vlad Dukas being allowed to see the field. Marshall Newhouse being allowed to go out there and play. I mean, the guy's a great Twitter follow. Terrible football player at this point in his career. Jesus. I mean, what, Chris, what are some of the questionable coaching decisions you you just want to get off your chest now? Just air it. Stop holding it in. Jeez, I don't even know if I can speak on that because I don't I don't think I noticed them as much as you do. I mean, it just, when our offensive line was playing as poorly as it was, I mean, my thing was like, why aren't we playing Wyatt Teller? I mean, <laughs> you did draft the guy for a reason. Why not give a look? <laughs> 
Why did it take this long? Offensive players and the offensive play, though, really took the cake when we started aggregating all of the grievances that were pouring in. (laughs) Jordan Mills continuing to get his pants pulled down around his ankles on a weekly basis while doing his best impression of a turnstile. That comes from Sean Brennan over there on Twitter. Chris, he's been bad. Terrible. He's been bad. In the words of Charles Barkley, terrible. T triple U quadruple R ible. T R B L. Terrible. From Wally Paulnuts on Reddit. All the drafts by receivers. These guys are either aiming for careers in the National Hot Potato League or mistakenly believe that in football, the lower score is the better. Yeah, this ain't golf. Zay Jones, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Zay. Even Sunday, Zay Jones dropped a ball, Chris, that I had a bottle of water that I just paid $5 for, and I spiked it off the bleachers and lost it and had to go buy a new one. Because you got to catch the football. That's why you're here. What are you doing? Yep, <laughs> there's, there's a ton of plays that happened this year where receivers were getting <laughs> hitting the numbers or the hands, and they were dropping balls, not Allen's fault. <laughs> it feels good to just yell about it. It feels good to just laugh and just be able to drink our tr- Chris cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah, you say Zay you say it feels good to, to yell about it. Like, have you not been doing that for the last sixteen weeks? No, but it feels good to just get it all out. <laughs> Look at, here from it's Jimmy Two Shoes on Reddit. So Charles Clay scores his first touchdown ever in the NFL against the Bills. What happened to him? Was it all just some secret plot or long con with the Dolphins to be overpaid and then underproduce here in Buffalo? He's my biggest complaint in the season now that Kelvin Benjamin's gone. That's a fair assertion, sir. Oh, it's egregious the amount of money that these guys stole from our football team this year. Yes, I've reduced it to theft. That's what it feels like. It feels like you all stole from me. That's one of my grievances. If I can air one of mine, I feel like a lot of players stole a lot of money out of Terry Pagula's pocket this year. Is that fair? Yeah, I see it. Thieves! Thieves, you should be beaten. You should be beaten with rubber hoses like Clark Griswold suggested for his boss. I mean, $9 million and you give me what? A handful of catches and nothing that matters, Charles Clay? Kelvin Benjamin, you can't, I don't know, you can't put the biscuit down. You can't do it. You ran off to a place that you thought was KFC, and instead it was KC. I mean, come on. Oh, I swear to Christ, I'll see both of them in hell. I mark my words. But I think one of my favorites, and the one that I want to end on here, folks, it takes the cake here as far as offense goes. Hashtag sports. Got at us on Twitter. All I want for Christmas is the time back that I spent talking about Kelvin Benjamin, Nathan Peterman, Terrell Pryor, and Vontae Davis. Happy Festivus! Folks, don't you feel better? How about, um... I know I do! How about... (laughs) How about the, uh, uh... Now that I'm one year into being a season ticket holder. Finally see what you mean when you say Potter brings nothing to the tailgate. <laughs> oh, my God. He's going to put that under his grievances. I can't hold. Jesus Christ. Oh, you you got a fist fight coming next week, pal. I'll tell you that. I know. He'll, be... prob- he'll probably tackle me at some point. It's going to be great. 
Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight while we work all, just work all of our animosity out. It felt good for us. Hopefully it felt good for you. Hopefully you got a few laughs out of it. Happy Festivus and a Merry Christmas to you and your families. We love you guys. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been the Rockpile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.